This is the Daily Texan Newscast for the week ending in September 18th. I'm Anthony Green. And I'm Justin Atkinson. This week in news. A petition started last Friday to preserve Hole in the Wall as a historical site has garnered signatures from more than 2,500 people. Hayden Hoodoo, a bartender at the establishment, said the petition gained popularity after it was announced that Hole in the Wall could be leaving Guadalupe Street after 41 years of live music and service. The landowner is raising the rent to a price too high for any local bar owner to pay, according to Hoodoo. Student government will vote next week on a drafted resolution in support of hosting an annual debate between campus political groups. The resolution states that groups and UT will ensure an annual debate between political groups on campus. This year, the debate is scheduled for October 12th and will be between university Democrats and college Republicans. This according to John Falke, co-author of the resolution. Falke said officer board members from the two student political groups complained about not having enough public visibility for students, which prompted him to create the legislation. The International Socialist Organization and the Longhorn Libertarians are two political groups who will not be featured in this year's debate. Falke said he is open to having more political groups represented in the future, but it was easier for him to put together the debate with only the University Democrats and College Republicans. The Harry Ransom Center's next major exhibition will honor the 400th anniversary of William Shakespeare's death. The exhibition will showcase manuscripts and artifacts related to Shakespeare's work, according to a Harry Ransom Center press release. The exhibition will be open December 21, 2015 through May 29, 2016, and will be free to view at the Harry Ransom Center. The exhibition, named Shakespeare in Print and Performance, includes some of Shakespeare's own personal books and sources, as well as the first known occurrence of Shakespeare's name in print. Former UT Chancellor Dan Burke died at the age of 82 on Saturday morning after undergoing complications with lung cancer. Chancellor William McRaven released a statement Saturday about Burke's death saying Burke served the University of Texas system with great distinction and oversaw a period of significant growth, both in size and reputation. McRaven, who called Burke a close friend, also said Burke provided instrumental guidance for him when first becoming chancellor. Burke was a member of Kappa Sigma fraternity at UT and graduated in 1956. While finishing his degree, Burke worked for Getty Oil Company. Following his time at Getty, Burke went on to help create ESPN, the first cable television sports network, acting as a vice president and founding director. Interior design senior Raquel Torres was awarded a $30,000 scholarship from the Angelo Doggia Foundation after entering her project, Museum of Magnetic Sound Recording, into the Doggia competition. Interior design experts and educators judged Torres' portfolio at the competition. Torres is the 10th UT student to receive the Angelo Doggia Senior Student Scholarship in Interior Design, according to the UT School of Architecture. The consumer and employee-owned Wheatsville Food Co-op is facing employee demand for higher wages in the midst of the co-op's elections for board members. As of last Thursday's city council meeting, the council raised its standard of living wage, or the minimum wage a city employee can be paid, from 1139 in May to 1303 per hour, which Wheatfield employees are using as a wage standard in Austin, according to former employee Michael Conti. The launch of MyUT, a new student portal designed to host common student needs such as registration and class schedules, will be delayed until the spring semester. Joe Williams, interim communications director for the Office of the Executive Vice President and Provost, said UT delayed MyUT's launch to modernize the system alongside broader technological upgrades across campus. Megabus will remain in Austin after City Council rejected an appeal against a proposed downtown location for Megabus on Thursday. The council added conditions to Megabus's permit. 
including requiring signs to be respectful of neighbors and to be quiet after 10 p.m. Megabus plans to move its widest avenue terminal, its only location in Austin, to a location at San Jacinto Boulevard and 15th Street. The UT system will fund $1.4 million to its bystander intervention initiative over the next three years, the system announced last week. The program will address problems such as hazing, academic integrity, high-risk drinking, and sexual assault at the eight academic system institutions in the UT system. This according to Chris Brownson, system-wide bystander intervention initiative project leader. The system will allocate funds based on student enrollment, Brownson said, and UT Austin will receive the most funding because it is the largest campus. Brownson said he does not currently know the exact costs of the program. The system will use UT Austin's bystander intervention program, Be Vocal, as a model. Be Vocal is a university-wide initiative which gives bystanders instruction on how to intervene, prevent, and reduce harm for students. While Be Vocal is a model for system campuses, the initiative will fund customized bystander initiatives tailored to each individual campus because student needs vary across different campuses. This according to Brownson. And now to Nick Castillo with a Daily Texan sports update. Thanks, Justin. The big news coming out of sports this week was the resignation of athletic director Steve Patterson after his 22 months here at the university. University President Gregory Alfenvez said that he wanted to have a more welcoming door to the athletic department. Steve Patterson had a lot of trouble during his tenure with his relationships with the boosters, relationships with students and the faculty. Some of the big things that he did was raise ticket prices, and that did not resonate with the fan base very well. There are a couple things that he did to help the athletic department as far as the fan experience. He brought in all sorts of dining places within DKR. If you're a fan of Torchies or a fan of Pluckers, you have that now within the, the confines of DKR. Now you also have alcohol, which if you're a fan of alcohol and 21 you get to enjoy. But people did not like the way he handled his business. With raising the ticket prices, people didn't like that. And if you noticed, when you, if, if you attended Texas' game last week, they were about 15,000 seats open, as well as a privately funded banner flying around DKR that said, Patterson must go. So definitely the fan base was not happy with the way Steve Patterson was handling his business. And so after 22 months, he's gone. He brought in two coaches, head football coach Charlie Strong and new head basketball coach Shaka Smart, both um, breaking a barrier for UT with being the first African-American coaches on campus. But with him gone, Finvez has brought in interim AD Mike Perrin, who comes in as a Houston attorney and was a linebacker at Texas. And he hopes to kind of restore the broken relationships within the program. And he's done, he said all the right things so far, and he's made a promise to go around and to talk to the various organizations that are here at Texas to make sure that they understand the program wasn't being held to the right standard, at least that he believes. Um, that has also brought up the conversation of what will happen if Perrin doesn't stay after his tenure, which is scheduled for August, or at least through August of next year. What that means for Strong and Smart. Of course, Smart hasn't, they haven't played at all yet, so you really don't know what you have with him. But Strong um, had a rough season. His first season went 6-7, and seven, and now 1-1, one and one, including a disappointing loss to open the season, 38-3 to Notre Dame. But Texas has an opportunity, you know, after winning 
against Rice, 42-28. They have an opportunity when they come and play Cal this week at home. Cal comes in as one of the better teams that they'll face in the non-conference and that they bring in a really good quarterback in Jared Goff, who is projected to be a first-round draft pick by many scouts. And that bodes trouble for Texas as their defense has shown deficiencies in many areas. I mean, they've been getting gashed with the run. Cal will likely use their running back, Dan Alasco, who comes from the Woodlands, Texas, who's returning home. And then Goff, with his, he's thrown 630 passing yards and six touchdowns in two games. So he's definitely a guy that's going to give Texas a lot of trouble, especially with their de- with Texas' defense being ranked solo. They're 114th in FBS out of all schools. So Texas will look to use its new quarterback, Gerard Hurd, who made his first collegiate start. He brings a kind of a different mentality to the team because he, he's a really um, laid back guy, kind of goofy is what people say. But he, after last week, he threw 120 yards and two touchdowns and ran with 96 yards, which is something we haven't seen from a Texas quarterback in, in a while to, to bring some sort of a spark to a team. And a lot of the players after the game said that he brought a, a sort of juice. And now Texas will look to him to kind of spark that offense, which is he struggled for the most part. Before their win against Rice, they'd only put up, I believe, 20 points in three games stretching back to last season. So now Cal provides an opportunity to show that Texas is improved, especially after starting the season so bad. So it'll be interesting to see what they do Saturday against Cal. And back to Justin. All right. Thanks, Nick. So here today we have Matthew Adams, one of our senior reporters who attended the inauguration of UT President Greg Finves. So Matthew, how was that? It was a very good ceremony. You know, Gregory Finves, he hasn't had a quiet moment here since he's been president on the 40 Acres, dealing with the Jefferson Davis statue and now recently the firing of Steve Patterson. Definitely not a quiet start to his tenure but a very exciting ceremony hearing him talk about the future here at UT Austin. So you also covered um, a report about sexual assault prevalency. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so members of the School of Social Work, they looked at the increase of sexual assaults in the state of Texas. They had done a previous report in 2003, um, and then this was the first time since that report And what they found is from 2003 to now, the sexual assault encounters in the state of Texas has increased to 6.3 million. Part of that is due to some penal code laws that were changed to address a more wide range of what sexual assault is, whether it be harassment, touching, you know, just a very wide range of what sexual assault is. The study was a little bit alarming, Dr. Noel Bush-Armandares said, and others on her team, because in 2003, only about 18% of encounters were reported to police, and that percent has now dropped to 9%. So a very alarming pattern for them, just because as much attention as this is receiving, you know, people aren't really going to the proper authorities to be treated for it there. You know, maybe they're talking to friends and family about it, but they aren't really going to, 
either police, maybe they're going to sexual assault centers to get some help, but there needs to be more work, they said, getting the word out there, trying to get this issue addressed. All right, so what can we look forward uh, next week from you? Next week, we will be doing another update on sexual assaults. The UT system is funding a four-year study on UT campuses, whether it be surveys, um, but also at UT Austin and then three other campuses. One of the newer additions to this study involves working with students over their four-year time once they step on campus, looking at what their first encounter of sexual assault is to when they graduate, looking at university policies and other ways to address the issue. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Justin. The Counseling and Mental Health Center has increased their prices for individual counseling and psychiatric sessions this semester. Both services were originally priced at $5, but starting this fall, CMHC raised individual counseling sessions to $10 and psychiatric sessions to $15. Chris Brownson, director of the Counseling and Mental Health Center, said he made the decision to raise prices after the center began to experience a tight budget. The green fee, along with the 83 projects and 103 grants it funded between fall 2011 and spring 2015, are set to end in 2016. This according to the Metrics and Measurement Report from the UT's Office of Sustainability. The green fee is an allocation of $5 from each student's tuition for each semester and $2.50 for each summer session used to fund the green fee committee and other eco-friendly projects on campus, like the water bottle refill stations. An open meeting was held Wednesday to discuss options for different ways to renew the fee and how to move forward from the legislator's decision. The green fee's inception created funding for five years, which will conclude after the summer summer of 2016. Despite the Green Fee Committee's efforts to lobby for the bills they introduced in both the House and the Senate, neither bill was passed into law. The bill received unanimous consent in the House, but the necessary amount of votes could not be reached in the Senate. And now we have Chris Duncan and Kat Cardenas in the studio with the Daily Texan Backbeat. Thank you, Anthony. So today we're going to be going over the new Libertines album, It's their first album in 11 years. It's called Anthems for Doomed Youth. Take a listen to their first single off the album, Gunga Din. Woke up again to my chagrin. I really like how the song draws you in with like the first bluesy riff, and it has like a really catchy chorus, so it's a pretty solid choice for a single. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. It's it's an obvious choice for a single, definitely, but um, mostly because of its chorus. It's not really a typical Libertine song that you think of when uh, they recorded stuff in the early 2000s, but it really sets the tone for what the rest of the album will sound like. Yeah, it's definitely really different than their previous stuff, but I think it's also like a really solid example of their how they've cultivated their sound. It's a lot more mature. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The, the production quality on the song is really good. But a lot, I know a lot of fans, a lot of older fans, might think that this more uh, production-heavy style is not the way to go for the band. They like the more raw feel of their earlier releases, but you know, to each their own. The next song we have for you guys to listen to is Belly of the Beast. Check it out. Don't know if I can go on Making no sense in So this song was actually my least favorite on the LP, mostly due to production quality. 
it's really an attempt to make a rock song into something that isn't what it should have been. It's, it's more of a pop song than a rock song. I understand the direction that they were going, but the chorus just really ends up turning into a mess. And the the guitar riffs get lost. It's really just not a good song. Yeah, it was definitely not one of my favorites on the album. It's pretty sloppy production-wise, and a lot of like the punk guitar-driven riffs are gone, and so it loses its punch. Usually the lyrics on their songs, too, are poetic. They're, you know, they're subtle. They try to not directly address things. Uh, you know, they try to d- sort of introduce the listener in a more indirect way. But this time, uh, Pete Doherty, who wrote the song, he's just not poetic at all. It's it's very blunt, in fact. Yeah, it definitely seemed like an incomplete like add-on instead of a full-blown effort. Yeah, definitely. So for the last song, we're going to listen to something that isn't typically what you hear on the album. It's called Iceman. Just for now, we have all the time, time, don't spend your days in the haze with the iceman. I really liked this song. It was probably one of my favorites on the album. It was kind of Beatles-esque. I liked that it, like, told a story. It showed the good side of how they've shifted their sound to a more pop sound. Yeah, I agree. You know, the acoustic arrangement was really out out of the ordinary, as you said. But it's a really calm moment right in the middle of the album, which is perfect because, you know, you get tired after a while of hearing the sort of similar rock sound again and again. Uh, But also, it's one of the few songs on the album that isn't about love. It's more about redemption. And it was really interesting to hear them sing about that for once instead of singing about all their love problems. I think overall, the first half of the album really solidifies their shift in sound. But then after that, it kind of falls into a mess and it's more poppy than anything. Yeah, it, it does have its horrible pop moments. Uh, and you know, a lot of early fans of the band, as I said, aren't gonna like this album because it's not the libertines that talk about rampant drug use and all the problems that they're going through uh, with their relationships, specifically between frontmen uh, Pete Doherty and Carl Barat. But you know, it's a good album overall. And I think it's a good way to reintroduce them to the music scene. So that's it for the Daily Texan Backbeat. And back to Anthony. Thanks, guys. As we've mentioned, this weekend was the first time alcohol was served at the DKR Stadium, and UTPD ended up with 11 reports of public intoxication. This week on Crime Corner, a non-UT subject stumbled into the first aid station on the north side of the stadium. While the subject was not able to stand well on his own, EMS advised the subject did not require medical treatment. After the arrival of police officers, the subject began to flirt and wink at the female first responders. The subject's flirtatious nature diminished once he was deemed to be intoxicated to the point he was a danger to him. Himself. And next, a UT student attempted to enter the stadium while in possession of a blue backpack that contained an open bottle of alcohol. When denied entry, his description, that included a Ninja Turtle t-shirt, was distributed to the other entry gates. When an officer stopped the student at another entry point, the student was found to be under the influence of an alcoholic beverage to the point he was deemed to be a danger to himself and others. Thank you all for listening to this week's Crime Corner. And that about does it for this week's edition of the Daily Texan Newscast. In the meantime, there is always more news at DailyTexanOnline.com. You can also follow the Daily Texan on Twitter. It's at the Daily Texan. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for the Daily Texan Newscast. See you next week, everybody. Bye. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Anthony Green and Justin Atkinson. This week's guests were Chris Duncan, Kat Cardenas, 
Matthew Adams, and Nick Castillo. The music was by Jazar. You can join us for our next episode next week, September 25th. Or check out continuing coverage online at dailytexanonline.com.